Welcome to Bible Fellowship Assembly Sunday Morning Messages. Today, Phil Donaldson continues our series of messages on the book of Acts. Today, looking at chapter 9, verses 32 through 43. And now, here's Phil. Thanks to the opening team for that uh, call to worship and the uh, praise and worship that uh, is due our Lord for all that he has done for us. We're grateful to them for helping us with that. Please turn with me to the book of Acts. We're continuing in our series and this morning we come to Acts chapter 9 uh, for only verses 32 to 43. Uh, We'll read this chapter shortly, but we have a bit of an introduction uh, before those readings. I'd like us to begin with two questions uh, that are on the slide. Where do we see the signs of true greatness that God is doing and what he is in this in this life, in our life today? And what do we see the what do we see as the greatness of God uh, today, as we live before him, uh, this is a personal. These are personal questions meant to challenge our hearts as to how we see him working in our midst today. Before us this morning are two uh, brief miracles. We could have asked for a lot, or we could ask for a lot more detail about what those stories were about. Uh, But before we look at them together, I'd like us just to listen to a guest speaker we have for a few moments. I'm calling to the platform the Apostle Peter. And he's going to tell us a little of his story leading up to these, uh, these chapters or these verses. My name is Peter. I grew up named Simon as a Jewish boy living in a fisherman's family in Bethsaida near the north shore of the Sea of Galilee. We were taught at the synagogue every week by a rabbi about God, about his laws and the history and the current state of his people, the Jewish nation. It was easy to believe in God, living beside that great lake. We were up early in the morning and we would see the wonder and the beauty of the rising sun and fishing until late if we hadn't caught our quota yet. We were fascinated by the moon and the stars and all that was overhead. The greatness of God in creation was one of the first things that attracted me to knowing God and, uh, and being living where we did. That was easy to uh, relate to. It was also easy to be very thankful for the provision by God that the sea and all of its bounty provided to us for our living, uh, for our food and other things. But for me, something was missing and some things were very difficult Uh, to understand. Next slide. If God was really there, why did he not come and solve the myriad of problems that sin brings in the lives of people? The best answer we could get from the local rabbi was that God would send his people another prophet someday, a Messiah, to bring us to a better life. When I became an adult, I took on the fishing career and the sea was not only my source of income, As I said before, it was also my place of serenity to ponder uh, the God who was there and reflect on him. After the nets were mended, I would often gaze at the sunset and then the stars to muse over my own failures. 
By this time, I was proud to be a member of the Jewish family of faith, but I was still restless and looking for more in life. One day, the Messiah met me along with others right where we were and called us to be his disciples. He gave me a new name, Peter, changed from Simon. That really was significant to me. I, I realized that something before happening to me was going to be very big. I found the promised one at last. Better said, he found me. And I decided to follow him wherever that would take me. I knew I was still a sinful man, and I won't share those details with you. But I wasn't quite yet all in in following him. I wasn't quite prepared to live for him totally. But he came back. He returned. He sought me again. I witnessed his first miracle of a great catch of fish. And he called several of us to be fishers of of men and bring them uh, to God. Come and follow me, he said to me. Uh, And he said this a second time. Next slide. That move from Fisher to following Jesus was a huge step. But I did commit to follow him to know more about the greatness of God in my life. I did believe that Jesus was the Messiah, and I looked forward to learning about his answers for sinfulness, about living with God, and what his future was for his people. You know the stories well of my being present for most of his innumerable signs and wonders, listening to his many discourses with us, along with many people around him everywhere, seeking to learn from him, learning about the kingdom of God and what it meant for his people. Understanding his call to salvation for all who would believe in him. And I was mystified by his prophecies about his coming death. I'm ashamed to tell you how I watched the hopes of my life disappear with his being ushered away to the Roman cross by the leaders of my people. And when I was challenged on three occasions as to my relationship with him, and when I denied him three times in my disappointment, my confusion, and yes, my anger, I was totally discouraged with my own behavior. I was afraid for, very, for my very life from the leadership of my people, and I was totally uncertain of where my life was to go from here. Next slide. Without the intervention of Jesus and his grace towards me after my denials, I don't know where I would be today. He was alive. Hallelujah. I was so thrilled, but I was also very anxious about my relationship with him after all I had denied about him. Then he singled me out. He challenged me to love him with the type and depth of love he had for me. And then he forgave me. He renewed his calling for me to follow him and feed his sheep. My depth of relief is hard to express, but I knew that he was alive. I knew his work on earth was to continue through me and the other disciples. I knew that there was a depth of appreciation of his own ongoing work of salvation and grace in my life that I had not felt yet. And I vowed I would never again doubt his purpose and his calling. His grace was great for me. Next slide. You have heard about Jesus' promise of the coming of the Holy Spirit. 
into our lives at Pentecost, I was reminded that the Holy Spirit would allow us to do the work of God in ways we did not understand then. I could hardly believe the transformation of all of us as we saw and were part of the growing of his church. Feeling the messages of the Lord flow through me in Jerusalem when I was defending uh, the name of Jesus before the powers that were in place at that time, I could feel him speaking through me. And that gave me inner strength to continue, even though we face severe opposition by those who have put him to death and possibly for us, death itself. When John and I encountered a man who had never walked since birth, we prayed. And the Lord prompted us to heal him for his glory so that all would see that Jesus was alive and was continuing his work through us. The power of our resurrected Lord flowed for the purpose of the opportunity for all to see that our messages were to be seen as those of God in the great name of our Lord Jesus Christ, the greatness of his name. Getting closer to the stories you are covering today, next slide. John and I were commissioned by the other apostles to visit the city and the area of Samaria. It is shown in some color on the map. I guess it's converted to green here. We kept remembering the words of our Lord Jesus before his ascension from the earth that we would be his witnesses in Jerusalem. And then in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Together we wondered aloud when we heard that which one or two of us would be called to leave the Temple Mount and the city of Jerusalem and our love of being there. But the the persecution of the church, as you have noticed in your series, was intensifying by both the leadership and by one activist leader among them named Saul. Several of us were targeted and scattered outside the city when we were uh, in so much difficulty. When we all heard the signs that the Lord was performing in the city in Samaria through Philip, we were the ones, John and I, chosen to help there and strengthen the work among the people who had heard about Jesus and his risen life. We discovered that they had not yet heard of the Holy Spirit, and so we assisted them to understand his presence and power in the lives of those who were the Lord's. And we traveled and preached throughout Samaria. But we did sense that the Lord was not finished with us. We decided to return with our report to Jerusalem and to look for what God had next for us in our ministry for him. And now I will leave it to my young brother, Philip, to let him explain how God's greatness in the spreading of the salvation message continued at Joppa, at Lydda and Joppa. Next slide. We realized that we were going to be some of those who left Jerusalem. And and, uh, we'll look at those as Philip uh, talks there. I should not stumble here. Uh, As we follow Peter throughout the book of Acts, the changes in him since the resurrection and his ascension are astounding. Dr. Luke has before are astounding. Dr. Luke has before Holy Holy Spirit. These stories are multidimensional. At the first level, we have the the people themselves described very briefly. In one case, a man was healed so he could walk. In the second case, a lady who had died and was resurrected uh, from the dead. 
we witness there the magnificent and supernatural power of God at work. The second dimension in learning were the impacts on the people themselves and as well the people who witnessed or heard these things being done and the effect in their lives. The third and often in commentators this dimension is missed. The work of God that he is doing in the life of Peter and himself and uh, what he was bringing forward in his life so that he could serve the Lord as he was called uh, to do. And the fourth was the Lord working way above the people who are involved in his work and providentially supplying the tactics and the occasions whereby the kingdom of God would grow. The geography is important here, and so I've included a number of slides to assist us uh, in that light to understand uh, the purpose of God using uh, Peter with these signs and miracles in trade towns and and travel routes in the, uh, in the uh, governance of Rome and all the roads they had built and looking at these uh, small things but real events as to how the word of God spread so quickly uh, at this time through them and through his, uh, the Lord's direct leading. Next slide, please. This is a very difficult slide. It's got lots of maps in them, but... Uh, I just want us to work on these uh, dimensions kind of in the reverse order. The geography is Im- important. This is a modern slide of, the, uh, uh, of uh, the, the nation of Israel and the surrounding areas. And this is a biblical map of the time and where we first uh, start in, in Lydda and then we move forward uh, to, um, uh, to Joppa, which is just outside Tel Aviv. In fact, it's been in, in, in ga- in surrounded by Tel Aviv uh, uh, in, in, in the modern day, uh, it's right up in this area. And for reference, uh, Jerusalem is down here in the center uh, of that slide. Uh, we're, we're going to be talking about the, uh, Sharon, and it doesn't show up too well on this slide, but the plains of Sharon are quite a large area uh, on the uh, western side of, of Palestine of the day. And uh, Lydda, uh, we'll, we will hear the mention of Sharon. It could be a small village. It could be... A, uh, the whole plain is referred to, uh, which is the way I read it at first. These uh, cities still exist in different ways, and uh, I'll have a slide for you later on. Uh, we visited Joppa, the, that port. It was the main port of uh, one of the main ports and part of the t- two roads that left Joppa to go to Jerusalem and two different ways of getting to Jerusalem from there. Later on in history, the, there are two modern ports that uh, are used in that uh, particular village is, uh, is, is a small fishing uh, uh, area which we'll look to in a few moments for its significant uh, and why it's significant in scripture by Dr. Luke's account. Let's read together the next slide, uh, the first story. Uh, the uh, story of, uh, at, it takes place at Lydda and we'll look at the details of it together. Let's read it aloud uh, together. Then the church throughout Judea Galilee and Samaria enjoyed a time of peace. It was strengthened and encouraged by the Holy Spirit. It grew in numbers, living in the fear of the Lord. As Peter traveled about the country, he went to visit the saints in Lydda. There he found a man named Aeneas, a paralytic who had been bedridden for eight years. Aeneas, Peter said to him, Jesus Christ heals you. Get up and tidy up your mat. 
Immediately Aeneas got up. All those who lived in Lydda and Sharon saw him and turned to the Lord. Now, it's important to note that Aeneas was likely a Hellenistic Jew by his name. We're given very little details. And in the context, he was likely one of the saints that Peter was there to assist in his growth as a Christian. He had been a paralytic for eight years. He was bedridden. And Peter doesn't take any glory to himself. He senses the the power and presence of the Lord acting in this situation to bring, uh, to bring healing to this man. And he says, Peter says, it is Jesus Christ who heals you. Such profound words, and we, we can take them to our own situation today and know that it is God who is working. It's not to us, it is to him. It is not for our glory, it's to his glory. It's not our work, it is his work. And he is the one uh, who it's all about. I just want us to note the the results are outstanding. They're just, uh, you can gloss over them quickly. But this village of Lydda and the whole area of Sharon, or perhaps small village in Sharon, I'm not sure which is being referred to here, but I think it looks like the, the plain of Sharon is in view here with many people, farmers and so on living about the area and able to learn of this incident through the fast travel of the internet in those days. The, uh, that's a joke, by the way. The, uh, notice that these, these people would be comprised of Jews and Gentiles. And this is what is starting to impinge on Peter's lives. He goes first to the Jewish people, but before his eyes, God is reaching Jews and Gentiles alike. And notice, the too, the... I don't know how many people were in, in this, encompassed in this sentence by Dr. Luke, but it says, all, all found the Lord. The results of this are astounding. Most churches in their work in the extension of the kingdom probably reach 1% to 2% of the population. Is that fair? Statistics come from my memory somewhere. Very small in this case. The Lord found and was sought all. He always seeks all. But here, the whole village turned to him and the whole area around turned to him. And Peter began to see the work and purpose of God, that he was on the road to the Gentiles, not just to the Jewish people. Next slide, please. So we come to the second story. And for sake of time, I'll, I'll read it. It's the story that uh, it takes place in Joppa. There, there was a disciple named Tabitha, which when translated from uh, Hebrew is Dorcas, who was always doing good and helping the poor. About that time, she became sick and died, and her body was washed and placed in an upstairs room. That was a practice, by the way, of both Jews and Romans, uh, Greek, uh, I should say Greeks more, uh, that, uh, that follows, and it doesn't give us much of a hint as to who uh, Dorcas was. Uh, Lydda was near Joppa, so when the disciples heard that Peter was in Lydda, they sent two men to him and urged him, please come at once. Peter went with them, and when he arrived, he was taken upstairs to the room. All the widows stood around him, crying and showing him the robes and other clothing that Dorcas had made while she was still with them. Peter sent them all out of the room. Then he got down on his knees and prayed. 
Turning towards the dead woman, he said, Tabitha, get up. She opened her eyes and seeing Peter, she sat up. He took her by the hand hand and helped her to her feet. Then he called the believers and the widows and presented her to them alive. This became known all over Joppa and many people believed in the Lord. And verse 43 stands out and we'll deal with it a little bit separately. Peter stayed in Joppa for some time with a tanner, curiously enough, also named Simon. Tabitha was a disciple of Jesus, she so described. She was cherished for her good works among the poor, and oftentimes those poor would be the widows that surrounded her at the time of her first death. The disciples, again, are described as being consistent with the picture that Peter was sent to the uh, to the saints that had become Christians in these various communities through the preaching of others and the travel of God's word. These disciples sent two men to Peter. Then we see Peter getting everyone out of the room and just praying to God himself. And that's a real message to all of those who serve, that there is that time of removing, separating ourselves from the clamor, the clatter that's around us, and just... uh, getting before the Lord and saying, Lord, what is your will here? What is your work here? And make me an instrument as you see fit in the pursuit of your, of your work. And, he, and she was resurrected by the power of God and the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's, it's interesting to note that uh, Peter had been present in, all, in many of the healings. I think four of them I counted, if I remember correctly. Four times when Jesus healed someone and raised people from the dead. And uh, he, he knew that it was God who heals. It was by his power that people were risen uh, from the dead. And then he presented the, uh, the victory of the situation to God's glory. And he presented her alive uh, to the believers and the widows. That's an interesting uh, comment that's made. So, the widows were there because of her good works and many of them... Uh, had already become Christians. I'm sure after this, all of them became Christians, or one would hope and and think that to be the case. And again, we look at the astounding results of this work. His word, God's word, spread all over the town. This trade route, this this, uh, lining up on the long seashore of fishing fishermen and a big international port, you can picture it, uh, all Over the town, God's name and fame were made known. And many believed in in Jesus. And many, I take that to be a large number, not like a few or uh, those kind of smaller adjective descriptions. Uh, Luke records many uh, believed uh, in Jesus. So if we pull those two things together, I think they're pulled together by two things that happen afterwards. One is Peter staying with Simon the Tanner. And the next one you're going to hear from Apostle Peter or the preacher of next week uh, in, the, in the story of Acts chapter, uh, chapter 10. But I just want to isolate out as we join this all together the, uh, the last verse of, that, of the chapter we just read. Peter stayed in Joppa for some time with a tanner named Simon. 
Luke mentions this, this uh, report three times in the book of Acts. And it's, it's obviously a very careful description of the details of what was going on. Uh, in Acts chapter 9, verse 43, chapter 10 and verse 6 and 32, this reference to where, where Peter was staying uh, as an important event. This is the only time the, the, word, the occupation of Tanner is directly mentioned in the Bible that I could find. We have seen so far this morning that the Lord is working with Peter to move him out of his comfort zone of working with just the Jewish people. At Lydda and Joppa, Peter was seeing men and women, Jews and Gentiles, coming to the Lord. One can imagine that a fisherman would delight not only to visit the huge Mediterranean seaport, having limited in his fishing experience to the Sea of Galilee, this would be his dream world, right? Uh, It was an honor for him to be asked by Simon to stay with him right on that seaside where there were... He was there observing the fishermen of the great sea. And you can see that one picture. It's not a very good slide of it, but when Peggy and I were there, we uh, stood in that very spot and uh, as to where he would have been living on the seaside by the seashore and uh, looking out over that uh, wonderful, wonderful, now we call the great Mediterranean, but for him it was a great sea indeed. Now, the thing about, I'll make this brief, but in terms of being a tanner, it's very significant in this progress in Simon's life. Being a tanner was, a, by Old Testament standards and Jewish tradition at the time, a non-desirable Jewish occupation. They were handling unclean animals. And so tanner being a, being a sorry, Simon being a tanner, uh, was was very likely an unpopular uh, among Jewish people, and and there we see Peter staying with a man involved in such uh, such a professional practice. Uh, Luke records that it was Simon's house was by the sea, and that was a very probable place of the, of a tannery, which used seawater to uh, to treat and tan and look after the uh, after the uh, Animals that were being treated by him. A factual detail may be too small for our purpose here, but just to show what was going on within Peter's heart and Peter's life to be invited to this home of a, I, I don't know what, what he was likely a, a Jewish person engaged in an un, unacceptable profession, and he was there, stayed with him for three months, an obvious uh, leading of, of, of uh, God in. Peter's life to move from uh, going only after a special group of people, but recognize he want, God wanted him to recognize that all are included in the call of God, Jew, Gentile. Interestingly, a man and a woman healed, one, one healed, one resurrected. And now uh, the whole tra- the trade route of the world uh, in, in front of his face every day at, at this uh, port uh, that he was uh, that he stayed in as he continued his, his walk and, and life story with God. Where is our Lord leading us today? And uh, we have seen a story of one man's life uh, who grew up seeking the Lord and learned of his greatness on many, many dimensions. Creation, his calling, the grace of God in his life, the sacrifice that he witnessed on the cross of Calvary. 
the forgiveness and salvation that came to him uh, through his faith and, and following of Christ and the presence of the Holy Spirit in his life and the mission that Peter was given to live. We all have our individual stories of where we are spiritually in life. I think we need to be very careful to respect everyone's journey on this world. God is calling all. It doesn't always happen in church. It doesn't always happen in a particular way. But we need to be sensitive in the lives of others to notice and, and observe how God is leading them, calling them. And, and you can only do that by being with them and being sensitive to God working in their lives and, and seeing God work in ways that we never imagined, in, in situations we, we don't maybe even care for. But we need to, to uh, just watch how God works, and sometimes in spite of us, and he's calling all irrespective of who they are, he is calling them to be his and to accept the salvation that he has brought. There's two other things I'd like us to particularly note here is the, the empowerment of the spirit as he as those who are serving him find that that same spirit was with Paul in those healings. Uh, that same spirit is with us today as we minister and serve. I don't want to get into a theological discussion about that, uh, about why did he heal then and doesn't heal as much now. That, that's a separate, needs separate, separate treatment than we have time for today. But it's the same spirit who is, who is empowering us as we serve. And I pray that that's the situation today as the musicians were singing, that this wasn't just a, a recreation, but it was the spirit of God speaking through his word and hymns and lyrics to our hearts and minds for God's purpose and for his glory today. And it's the same thing here in the Sunday school. We are all endeavoring to rely on the spirit alone and his word to work through us in what he has called us, uh, called us to do. And we do pray that like in this case of Aeneas and Tabitha, that the results will be as obvious and visible as we seek to serve him uh, together. Uh, the third thing I'd like to just highlight is the providence of God. Pro the providence of God is, uh, is a summary of God's working in Scripture. I don't think we actually find the, the, the doctrine of uh, the providence of God in one verse, and correct me if I'm in error there. But in every page of Scripture, we see God providing, doing his work, and enabling others involved in his work, uh, the, the resources and the opportunities uh, uh, that uh, are ahead of us each day. I think when we talk about the providence of God, we focus on the resources that he provides to us to do what we are doing. But there's another dimension to that that I want to highlight this morning, and that's what was before Peter. It was the providence of God in terms of the opportunities that were there before him, placed there by God. For us, we need every morning to wake up and pray that God will open our eyes to see his working and his purpose for us today. Do, do we really do that? I, I thought long enough, it might get emotional here, about it in my own life. We need to be challenged by this, that we look to what God is doing in the people and situations he places us in, that we have a, place, we have a reason for us to be there. We have a, a purpose in God's leading in their lives, and we are there to help fill that need. Peter saw it in 
I shouldn't use the term spades here, but he saw it in the case of Aeneas and Dorcas. God placed him. He went to the saints, but then he found this one and he was called to be there for that one. And that's what God is doing in our lives. Uh, He provides not only the means to be there to do it, but he provides the opportunities. I better turn this over to the opening team to be the closing team. And uh, I'll ask uh, Bruce if he would uh, close our meeting in prayer from the microphone. Thanks. You are gracious to each one of us. We've seen this morning you are gracious to those who are in greatest need, those who might be considered marginal, unimportant. You love them, Lord. You treasure them. And you do bring people that are appointed to help in their time of need. The Word says that you have placed each one of us in the position where you want us to be. And so we realize that we have been placed for a purpose and a reason. And may you awaken us to that purpose and reason this morning as we leave today. Help us in our heart and our spirit and our mind and our soul respond to that in those times of need. And may that be our service to you. May that be our reasonable service to you, Jesus. And we just do thank you for the opportunity to serve in your precious and holy name. Amen. Thank you for listening. Come back next week for the next Sunday morning message from Bible Fellowship Assembly. Visit us on the web at bfa.church where you will find our physical address and contact information. We'd love to see you if you're in the Timmins area or drop us a line at info at bfa.church. Until next time.